Hey, what's up everyone, Tenry here. Our today's guest is Jaideep Danoa, co-founder and CEO of Phoenix, which is the leading shared mobility company in the Middle East. And for this episode, we are meeting him live in Dubai. Thanks for having me. And I think we can start with uh, your code I have, you have on the, your Tumblr account, that you love building products that everyday people can use and have fun with. And is that what you're doing with Phoenix nowadays? Yes, uh, to an extent, right? Uh, uh, our mission is to unleash urban potential and propel communities forward, right? Uh, uh, so it's more than e-scooters, right? Uh, e-scooters are a means to an end uh, in that uh, extent. Uh, we, we see uh, you know, mobility as a regressive tax where uh, you know, the, the richest, right? They all own cars, live close to work. Right. The poorest have the highest cost uh, in mobility, both in terms of share of income and in terms of time, right, which is another cost that we don't consider. Right. Uh, and that is a real limiter on access to opportunity. Right. Uh, and, and so that's what we're, we're really trying to change by bringing an affordable, convenient solution that can reduce this, uh, this tax on our individual productivity and our collective urban uh, potential. And you're currently functional in the UAE and Qatar, yeah? Yes, uh, we started uh, operations in uh, mid-November. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, currently, we're in five cities, uh, in UAE and in Qatar. And uh, our, our goal is to be a, a pan-GCC uh, operator by next year. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, thankfully, I mean, so far, so good. So far, so good. But yes. How is it? Because uh, I've seen around this really, really car-centric culture here. And, yeah, how are you going to find that? You know, uh, this is a common uh, question, uh, concern people have about micromobility in uh, the Middle East. Right? Uh, car-centric culture, right? no like, uh, biking culture, uh, infrastructure is built around cars. Um, you know, there's the weather, uh, there's the culture in general, right? Uh, uh, however, from experience, <coughs> I think what we've seen, right, is that uh, demand for convenient, affordable, enjoyable transportation is universal, right? Uh, so I used to work in ride hailing before, right? And that was really how we measured um, you know, the service uh, in terms of what customers cared about, right? It was affordability, convenience, and experience, right? And this is actually market agnostic, right? Uh, it turns out that you know, big cities, small cities, tiny towns, uh, rich countries, poor countries, right? Uh, they all have the same universal need, right? And and so we've seen this play out in the Middle East, just like we've seen it uh, play out all over the world with micromobility. Right? Uh, it's one of the few products that have organic product market fit. Right? Uh, I don't think there's any question about demand globally. Right? People just deploy vehicles and uh, people discover it and adopt it and they love it. Right? And, 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 and we're seeing the same thing here. I think the, the main question we've had around uh, micromobility globally is around uh, profitability, right? not about demand. Right, uh, and, and so we've seen demand uh, in the Middle East. Uh, so uh, even in uh, much smaller cities, right? Uh, so we're in uh, four Emirates in UAE, right? Uh, Abu Dhabi and uh, Dubai. I think most people have heard of, 
They're also in two smaller emirates, Ras al Khaimah, uh, which has about uh, uh, 400,000 people, and Fujairah, which has actually roughly 200,000 people. And on a, on a per vehicle basis, actually our business in Fujairah is the best in our whole footprint, right? Uh, and it's not, uh, you know, uh, cosmopolitan, uh, global uh, city where you have all these tourists coming in uh, from around the world and expats living there. I mean, it is a, a primarily Emirati population, right? Uh, but, you know, they see the same need, right? Uh, and uh, irrespective of, you know, cars being built, cities being built around cars, right? A car is still not the optimal solution for all uh, use cases, right? It's a very expensive, inefficient solution. And so we'll get there. I'm optimistic. And I guess you're kind of adjusting to that culture by introducing not only paper right, but also the subscription model, because mm -hmm. people just like to own things here. Yeah, you know, uh, this also took a, uh, some time uh, for our uh, thinking to evolve, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, I've been working in uh, shared micromobility for maybe three and a half years, right? Uh, and focused on the dockless free-floating model. Right, which reduces a lot of friction, right? But um, on the customer experience. But uh, there's actually many uh, uh, slices of micromobility that that dockless shared scooter does not participate in, right? Uh, so one is around business model, right? And and we see a lot of people own their own vehicles, right? Like why do they buy it, right? Uh, I think there are a few. There are many reasons why people buy a vehicle versus a sh using a shared vehicle. Like one is the shared uh, scooters actually aren't available everywhere, right? Uh, we're working with the governments and with partners to, uh, you know, uh, draft approved areas uh, where, where it can function, but many areas, you know, don't have it yet, right? And so, uh, you know, you don't have that as an option, right? Now the second one is actually around affordability, right? Uh, like the shared ride, right? Uh, is you know cheaper than uh, you know taking a shared uh, taxi or Kareem or Uber at a shared scooter ride, right? Uh, but it's actually more expensive on a per kilometer basis today than if you owned a scooter, right? Uh, and uh, so I think for affordability reasons as well, a lot of people uh, who get discover uh, shared scooters may opt to buy a scooter, uh, even though it comes with. Uh, you know some trade-offs on convenience right now you've got to recharge it yourself you need to take it upstairs it's only there if you bring it with you right uh, and so at Phoenix uh, we've expanded our perspective on, on where we want to partic participate which is across the full spectrum of micromobility um, uh, needs right whether it is uh, shared uh, fleets where you pay per ride whether it is uh, private subscriptions, where now you get your own vehicle, but at a much lower price than buying one, and with some added benefits of service, like maintenance, insurance, smart app, etc., or potentially even retail down the line, right? which is also an underserviced category today, because uh, like when you buy a car, right, there are many garages that can service that car. Right? It comes with aftercare comes with insurance. You don't get that with a scooter right now. When it gets damaged, what do you do? Right? <laughs> uh, and then moving horizontally to other form factors beyond scooters, right? such as e-bikes, e-mopeds, etc. 
Yeah, I remember I had a pierced tire on my M365 and to just replace it, I bent so many forks in my house and yeah. nobody in the city wanted to fix it. Yet. Yeah, where do you take it, right? And, and actually, there's not a lot of um, a clarity on quality level of scooters either, right? Most people who are buying a scooter are buying it for the first time and you don't know, like, you know, do I spend you know, uh, $400 on a scooter or $800 on a scooter, right? What's the difference, yeah. right? Uh, and then, you know, after you bought it, you know, maybe a month later, it's damaged and then you're stuck. That's true. But, and on your mission then, you recently, the seed funding you received, 3.8 million. It was one of the biggest in the, in the region. And yeah, the first one from an Israeli organization towards uh, UAE. So, really cool. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, uh, we're very fortunate to um, you know, participate uh, in this uh, historic uh, event. Right? Uh, and humbled uh, that uh, you know we were granted this opportunity. Uh, from a Phoenix perspective, right, uh, we were really uh, looking for the most value-adding investors, right, uh, that can support our mission. And uh, you know, before the accords, right, uh, any Israel-based investor was not in our universe of consideration, right. Uh, it just so happened, you know, once the courts were signed. You know, we realized that hey, there's actually one of the leading mobility funds in the world. You know, not that far from us in similar time zone, right? That we can uh, discuss our, our our vision with, and there was just a immediate uh, you know fit, right? Uh, from their um, you know uh, investment mandate and you know what we were looking for. And uh, yeah, they've been uh, very, very supportive investors. They have great experience, 30 portfolio companies and mobility around the world, uh, Rolodex of automotive uh, limited partners, such as you know, BMW, Nissan, Hyundai, uh, Mitsubishi, right, uh, that are investing in new mobility opportunities via Maniv. Uh, so we're very excited uh, to be working with them. Yeah. Then I think let's move on to their own history, because you finished uh, engineering bachelor first in the Columbia University. Yeah. Yes, that's where I first got uh, the thirst for entrepreneurship was uh, while I was at Columbia. Mm -hmm. right, and I decided not to go into Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> and my first uh, uh, job out of college, uh, I joined one of my advisors. Uh, we had, uh, uh, we got into the online sports media uh, space. We actually acquired all the global internet rights of Indian cricket which to, the, to that date actually never existed online, right? Uh, this is 2007. And so I was had a product for that company. Uh, we built a portfolio of media, uh, digital media assets. And we had millions of users uh, in short time. And uh, for me, it was a great growth uh, experience. And did ESPN then pick you up from that point? Yes, the company uh, went through a trade sale. And you know, I then decided to uh, try my hand at a larger uh, company. I just uh, uh, you know see the flip side. You know, first work at a you know scrappy startup, and then go to a global <laughs> conglomerate. Right, uh, but it was in a way an entrepreneurial endeavor. Right, uh, so I joined uh, ESPN under the Walt Disney Company as their first employee in Singapore and to lead their online uh, live sports business in Asia Pacific, 
right? Uh, and it sounds great, but there was no business when I joined. <laughs> they had a bunch of digital rights. This was 2010, and uh, you know, it was my job to help uh, exploit those rights and and bring it to market across a diverse uh, regional footprint. And is it also around that time when you went to the Silicon Valley? Also, another life-changing moment for you. Yes, uh, <laughs> you're telling my story for me. Right? Um, so I spent two years with uh, Disney and launched in five countries, and uh, then decided to take a step back. Uh, I wanted, you know, my career path to be, you know, a more conscious, deliberate decision, whether I wanted to continue in media or go back to uh, building products. Right, uh, so I, I went for my MBA at INSEAD and then I joined McKinsey in San Francisco. And uh, of course, it was a great training ground and gave me tremendous exposure uh, to many different problems and industries and people, I think most importantly, and uh, to, to Silicon Valley, of course, as well. Uh, after McKinsey, I moved back to Dubai to join Kareem, right, which is, uh, was the region, region's uh, you know, challenger uh, ride-hailing uh, service. Right. Uh, that was a very rich experience. Uh, my first time uh, you know, moving from consulting back towards startups. When I joined Kareem, it was a much smaller company. Right? Uh, it was just after the Series C, right? um, and, which was a 60 mil round. And um, they were approaching a level of size, though, where they had to be more thoughtful and deliberate on how they continued to achieve uh, their their growth right and so that's uh, where my opportunity came in uh, I was uh, leading growth and strategy under the CEO of Sheka. Um, and I played just a I mean small role in a very big uh, success story for the region and I was there for about a year but then you met your your brother from Narmada during those days as well your, co your career co-founder yes I met IQ um, uh, while at Kareem, we joined roughly the same time, right? And uh, IQ uh, was, of course, the other Silicon Valley import, right? Uh, who came in to uh, really, uh, you know, build an engineering culture and fun function uh, at Kareem, right? Uh, something that had not been done before in this region. Again, he, he played a phenomenal role uh, in, in Kareem's development. And uh, yes, we've had we've been fortunate to work on uh, three mobility companies together. But when when you met him, what was the thought like? You saw him, you're like, ah, oh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spend my years with him now. Yeah. No, no, never thought, never thought about it. Right? Uh, we were, I mean, part of a, a team, a leadership team at Kareem. Right, uh, and he was uh, very underwater with a lot of uh, engineering efforts, and we all were. I mean, everyone was stretched. In a good way. Uh, I mean, uh, it was such an exciting time. We were growing twenty to thirty percent every month, right? Um, but yeah, we stayed in touch. I left uh, Kareem. I moved to Southeast Asia. I was with Grab. I was leading um, micro mobility at Grab. Actually, that's how I got introduced to the category. And um, and it's, uh, when I decided to move back to Dubai to start a micromobility service for this region. Uh, that's when IQ and I reconnected. He at the time had uh, moved on as well. He was with Lyft, leading uh, their autonomous driving team in Munich. And uh, yeah, we decided to join forces 
with, with uh, shared scooters for the region. Mm-hmm. And then when you moved to Grab? Yes, uh, so uh, for those of you who uh, you know, are not familiar, uh, Grab is a super app in Southeast Asia, a market of 650 million people. It started as a ride-hailing operator uh, and uh, then I started diversifying into uh, various verticals including payments, food, deliveries, etc. And so I joined Grab's uh, venture team in 2017 to help drive that vertical expansion. I actually ended up focusing on micromobility my first week and that was really my first exposure to this category. Uh, honestly, initially I was quite skeptical. Uh, I didn't understand you know, how uh, these bicycle companies were raising hundreds of millions of dollars uh, right, just for mechanical bicycles. Right, um, uh, what, what was behind it? Right, uh, but then the more exposure I got to the category, I think I, I started to develop a real appreciation for um, the disruptive approach to the cost structure of mobility uh, that micro mobility is enabling. Right, and so having come from ride hailing. Uh, and uh, the, the whole promise was that, you know, we're going to change the way people move, eliminate car ownership. And uh, that promise hasn't been realized. Uh, you look at trip uh, penetration globally, it's maybe like 1% of trips are in ride hailing, right? And uh, predominantly, it's in uh, private cars, right? Uh, and so this is why I think it, it's, it's more of an incremental innovation, right? Where it's made taxis, you know, far safer, more convenient, accessible with an app. Right? But you look at, you know, under the hood, uh, uh, it's still a very inefficient way of moving people around. Right? Uh, you're talking about 2,000 kgs of vehicle moving 100 kgs of passenger. Right? All, all that cost is going to move the car, not you. Right? And those costs are several. Right? There's a cost of like the metal, there's a cost of the energy, there's a cost of the infrastructure. Right? And then with ride hailing, you also have the private chauffeur. Right, the labor costs. Right? Now with micromobility, uh, essentially we are uh, optimizing for the predominant use case. Right? Uh, most of our travel today is in cities. People are all moving into cities, people are moving in cities. Right? Uh, you don't need a general purpose vehicle right, that moves five passengers 200 kilometers an hour with luggage for most of your trips. Right? 70% of trips are single passenger, right? Uh, 50% are short distance, under five kilometers. You're driving in traffic, you're not going very fast, right? So uh, now with the micromobility vehicle, you're talking about 20 kgs of, of mass versus 2,000 kgs, right? 1%, right? Huge order of magnitude difference. Um, it's already self-driving, you drive yourself, right? So you remove that labor cost. Right, and uh, it's fully electric, 90% energy efficiency um, versus uh, on the electric drivetrain versus 30% on the combustion engine. Right, uh, so now you, when you unpack it, you're like, wow, this actually is a much lower cost of service, right, per kilometer, and uh, and then from an infrastructure standpoint, right, uh, our cities are clogged. Right, more and more people are moving in this finite space uh, for cars. Uh, already we, we are allocating 30% of our city, right? Uh, and that's a big 
subsidy that we're all bearing indirectly, right? Uh, that space could be used for other things, right? Um, and so if the data shows if you repurpose one car lane for micromobility, right, you move 6x the passengers, right? So it's not a 5% increment, it's a 500% increment, right? And that uh, magnitude of change is so substantial that uh, it's inevitable, right? It's going to happen, right? Now, now the challenge, uh, you know, that I saw working at Grab uh, and through the you know, exposure to the whole bicycle sharing industry in China, right, was around, not around uh, demand, right? Uh, uh, it was, uh, you, you saw like dramatic uh, product market fit organically all over the world. Right? The challenge more so was around uh, unit economics and sustainability, right? Um, and, uh, you know, while I, I'm very bullish on the category, right, I, I felt the Southeast Asia market, you know, had, had, uh, was a more challenging market than the Middle East, you know, which I'd also worked in previously with Kareem and went to school here, etc. Right, um, and so that's why at the end of 2018, right, I, I decided to resign from Grab and move back here to, to start the micromobility movement in the region. Right, so I felt there was a strong founder market fit, right, uh, that I understood uh, the problem space in a unique way. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, when I came back to Dubai, I wanted to start a business here uh, with IQ. Uh, but it, it took us a bit uh, longer than, uh, I mean, it's a uh, funny journey, right? Uh, we, we were starting a company called Falcon, which uh, actually got acquired by Cirque, right? which is a European company, and, uh, early in the days of Cirque's journey, right? Uh, and so we joined as co-founders, right? Um, and, uh, you know, for a year and a half, built a very good business here in the Middle East. And, uh, and moved quite quickly in Europe uh, before we were acquired by Bird. And, and now we're doing it again with Phoenix, right, uh, as founders, uh, with even that Cirque experience under our belt. Then what, where is the brand, branding of Phoenix coming from? What was the idea behind it? We have these different colors, right, which uh, represents diversity and inclusiveness, providing a, a solution for the mass market. Right, uh, our scooters are, are different colors as well. Uh, as an individual, uh, you choose wh which Phoenix uh, is you, you feel like riding, right? And that's about empowerment, right? Uh, so that uh, you can be who you're meant to be, do what you're meant to do, reach your potential. Now the name, right, uh, Phoenix, is uh, uh, about the rebirth of our cities and our society, right? Uh, coming out of this pandemic to a better tomorrow. Right. Uh, of course, there's also our business, right? That is also being reborn, uh, you know, from the founders that, that started Cirque and, and are now doing it again with Phoenix, uh, better and stronger, we believe. And to achieve this kind of amazing goal, uh, you need a strong team. So, how were you picking your team at the beginning? Startup is actually a team sport, right? Uh, as good as you are as an individual contributor, it doesn't matter unless. The, the, the team succeeds and the business succeeds uh, as a collective effort, right? Uh, and so that's where kind of, you know, this, this mission orientation and, and ownership mindset comes in, right? Uh, there's a gap here, you know, 
let's plug it, let's fix it, things we can do better, uh, let's do it. And uh, you know, one example right, uh, of like how our actions come into play right, is like our entire operations is in-house. Right, uh, so we don't uh, use, uh, we don't outsource it to gig workers, right, or third-party logistics companies. Right, we employ all of our of our operations teams, right, and uh, everyone is a shareholder. And uh, with with Phoenix, you know, we've taken a different approach. Uh, we think it's uh, good for the business because the the people here care a lot more, right. Uh, this is their company, right? Uh, they care about all the little details, about the quality, the reliability, the safety, and, uh, and it's a big part of uh, the reason why uh, you know, we are the partner of choice with cities, with uh, real estate uh, developers, and with consumers, right? Uh, because we have the highest quality offering, powered by our team. How do you see the company in five years? So we don't want to uh, jump ahead, right? I think there's a lot of work that we need to do to prove our own viability as a company. And, uh, and that's a, a humongous opportunity uh, right there. And then we'll see, right? Um, we'll see uh, you know, how we perform and uh, what we can do uh, with those capabilities we develop. Right, uh, but our mission is, is larger than than you know shared e-scooters. Mm -hmm. We'd like to do more in the future. Let's see. Yes. What about your other parts of life? Do you, do you have any hobbies outside of that? It's a big hobby. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's a pretty uh, uh, consuming uh, uh, activity right now. Right, uh, and then I think outside of uh, Phoenix, of course, it's family. Right, uh, that's very important. And then, uh, you know, try to take care of the health and uh, maybe uh, nurture the mind and the, and the body and the soul, right? Uh, so uh, reading, uh, swimming uh, when I can, and, uh, and then, yeah, I'm a big uh, NBA fan too. How would you say you usually deal with stress you have? Things are normally not as bad as you think, and not as good as you think, right? Uh, like life will carry on, right? Um, and uh, like personally, you know, I I do uh, try to uh, you know do regular uh, meditation, right? Uh, I think it's a good way to clear the mind, uh, so that you're uh, thinking uh, uh, well and making sound sound decisions. Of course, that uh, means uh, getting good night's rest as well, right? Um, and uh, yeah, just don't be uh, impulsive, right? Uh, when there's pressure, uh, you know, go for a walk, right? Uh, and then talk it over with someone, talk it out loud, right? Uh, and you'll figure it out. And that's, I guess, also the way how you manage to make difficult decisions. And you can never be 100% right. Right, uh, you can just try to make the most informed uh, decision, right, uh, based off the facts available and your own uh, experience, and uh, you know weigh out the pros and cons, make a decision, and then live with it. Right, you can't change the past either. You gotta look forward, right? Uh, so that's how we try to do it. Right, uh, so I'm still learning. Uh, there's a lot of things I don't know, 
and there are a lot of things that I will never know and other people will know better right uh, and so sometimes uh, like you got to be open to outside expert uh, advice right well then talking about other people then who inspires you the most you know uh, I've been very fortunate uh, that uh, I've had a, a chance to work with three unicorn founders I work under three unicorn founders Mudas Sheikha of course from Kareem uh, very inspiring leader, very mission-oriented, with Anthony Tan at Grab, brings uh, incredible drive and intellectual rigor uh, to you know, decision-making, um, always looking at BATNAs, always uh, you know, measuring quantitatively uh, you know, the choices and, and performance. Right. And then uh, with Lukas Kodowski right, uh, from Cirque, you know, being a very talent-focused uh, leader, right, uh, very focused on uh, identifying and recruiting the best talent right, at a level uh, I had not seen before. It's very, yeah, I'm very fortunate that I got to work with, with, with three exceptional entrepreneurs, tried to bring some of those learnings to our own work. And you mentioned as well about that you read a lot. As an entrepreneur, right, uh, or aspiring entrepreneur, right, uh, many. Uh, I mean, I, I like to read about other entrepreneurs' journeys. I think you know, very popular one is the hard thing about hard things, uh, by uh, Ben Horowitz. Right, uh, so that's one I've gifted a few times. And yeah, there are many others. But honestly, I mean, the best way to learn is just to do, right? Uh, learn by doing, right? Uh, so try to. And there are many different ways to test MVPs now. It's not necessarily about having like a big product with a lot of funding. You know, you can do customer research. Uh, you can test in low-cost ways, and uh, and then you know practice what you're what you're learning about. It's more fun too. Then, what would you recommend in that sense to all the aspiring entrepreneurs out there? Hardest step is the first step, right? Uh, you've got to. Uh, to, to start the journey, it needs to come from you. And you got to have the courage to, to take the leap. Right? Uh, and it's a, it can be a petrifying journey. <laughs> and you, you, it takes like a lot of uh, you know, almost irrational exuberance uh, or confidence. But um, like if you don't have that confidence to take that first step yourself, like it won't come from anyone else. Right? Uh, so that's what I would advise, right? Uh, there's no better time like the present. Start uh, your efforts in a concerted way to to solve a unique problem, and you will learn a lot more once you start uh, about you know where's the real product market fit. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to like, comment, follow, and share. More content coming. Stay safe. Then we out.